Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. God bless you all. Glad to be here. I hope you're glad to be here. You're in the house of the Lord. And we have been singing about him, we've been talking about him, we've been praising him, and I hope you just continue to do that all this week. We have been on a series called On Hold. Man, my heart is just going like crazy, and all I did is jiggle my belly a little bit. They warned me it was coming. It's been a, it wrecked my whole worship service. No, I'm too. Us older Bethesda kids, we don't know how to dance very well. We didn't go to too, too many dances in our lives. Okay, Lord, help us now. Be with us, bless our time. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. When Pastor Pat started the On Hold series that we're doing, he talked about Naomi and I, he, he laid things out. He was really transparent about how he feels being on hold, and he was talking about being on a phone and different things like that. And then Pastor Rob came by last week, and, and he laid out the ideas of being on hold again. But I really appreciate what he said, and I hope it resounded in your heart. It did for me all week long. And he said three words that really stuck inside of me, and it was rest, listen, and learn. And if I could say rest, Listen and learn, repeat. Rest, listen, learn. We gotta continue to repeat that. It's such a good thing. So as I was asked to come on today and be a part of all of this this series, and the first thing that came to my mind when I was uh, asked by Pastor Pat to do this, the first thing that came to my mind was the word wait. And... um, I, a couple weeks ago, I was in a Thursday service, and our brother Daryl Perkins taught a lesson on wait. And it's like, oh God, there's some more confirmation. It's a word none of us like. Did you see Emily? Did you see Emily when the word of the day was introduced and the attitude that was given to us with the word wait? Uh, I think... I appreciate it, Emily. I think you did a very good job because I think it kind of sums up how we feel in America and how we feel about things when we're told to wait. We don't like it very much. So as I was praying about it and as I was looking at it and looking at the word and I went back and I found the he- one of the Hebrew words that will correlate with a scripture that I'm going to bring up here in just a minute. Uh, The word wait is the word kava, Q-A-V-A-H. And it means to bind together. And it says perhaps by twisting. It makes me think of the grapevine. When uh, Noah was up here a few weeks ago too and he was talking about us being part of the vine and the, the twisting that goes on in a grapevine and how it brings us together and how we're, we're branches in that vine. And in other words, it's, it's also it's to collect or to expect. Have you ever thought about waiting to have an expectation? I hope so. To gather, to look patiently. That word is in there too, patiently. And tarry, 
and to wait for, to wait on, to wait upon. If you've ever had an appointment at a doctor's office, a dentist's office, a lawyer's office, or whatever office that you go to, what usually happens when you arrive? You show up, they say, all right, here, take these forms, fill these out, and what? Have a seat. Go into the waiting room. You're going to wait. But as they do this, after the reception says that, you know, you start to look around, you fill out your form, and, and then you begin to see reading materials, or you see a TV, or you see a whole bunch of telephones come out, uh, all these different things that go on, and they provide things for one purpose, to get your mind off the waiting. Because <laughs> if you're busy doing something, the time will go by faster, right? The person you came to see wants you to enjoy the wait and not get frustrated by the wait. Now, I know that that's kind of crazy when you start talking about some of these offices that you have to go in because I have asked the question and it's very funny because I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it up. I was visiting my friend Jerry Marino just a couple of weeks ago and he says, I don't understand why they schedule an appointment for me. Because I show up when I'm supposed to be there for my appointment and I never see the person I need to see until another hour later. And, and I get that frustration, but you know, that's part of the process a lot of times. And we're offered to take a seat. We could sit down or you could get up and you could pace and you could wring your hands and you could be all nervous walking around if it's the doctor's office or the dentist's office. Um, a lot of us have sweaty palms when it's dentist office time or whatever else. Or we can have a seat and try to do something that keeps our mind from being all panicky. Some of us dislike the doctor's office so much that we would rather go out and buy over-the-counter drugs only to find out that they don't work, but it's because I don't like going to see the doctor. I, every time I go to the doctor, I find out something's wrong with me. And I don't like to go to them because they always find something else than what I went in for is wrong. So it's just easier not to go at times. But it's not the right thing to do, right? So there were some times I was just in my mind started to look at it and started to think, Lord, what are some of the things that I can remember like I, I just had a hard time waiting for it. And I can remember going back into my elementary days and, and the way that they did it uh, was a, a report card would show up in the mailbox. And in that report card, it would tell me if I actually passed to go on to the next grade. And I was a nervous wreck every year. Because I was like, oh, I don't want to get stuck in the same grade again. I don't want all my friends to leave me. And all the... So I would be pulling that mailbox open for days and days and days. Well, they knew when it was coming. My father worked in the system. He was part of Romeo's schools and he knew what was going on. But I was still running to that mailbox all the time, just trying to find out, did I actually pass? Did I get graduated to the next grade? And that was one of those things I just couldn't wait for. And then, and then with it, it would tell me who my new teacher is. Oh, I didn't want that teacher. I wanted that teacher. And how come I never got that teacher I wanted, but I got that teacher? You know, it just happened all the time. And, you know, thank the Lord, I didn't get all the teachers that I wanted. I got the teacher that I needed. And so other things were like um, moving from the lower elementary hallway to the upper elementary hallway. That was a big deal. We went from lower L to upper L. 
And when Mr. Grabsky, our principal, would read, address us, he would talk about the lower L versus the upper L. And, you know, you always want to be upper, right? Or how about uh, a double-digit birthday? Do you remember when you hit double digits? Some of you can't even remember you've been in double digits so long, you don't even remember not being in double digits. Or how about getting a driver's license? That was a big thing, and I had a hard time waiting for that. Oh, boy, did I want that freedom. And then the last one that I'm going to leave you was with just in my thought of where I really struggled in the waiting process was buying my first car without my father having to co-sign. My dad wasn't very happy with me. <laughs> Matter of fact, my dad and I didn't talk for about two weeks. And then finally I said, Dad, you want to go for a ride in this car? And so I threw him in the front seat and we went ripping down the road and we got back and he said, you did good. You did good. And it broke the ice. And it wasn't like I didn't want my dad to be a part of it, but I was independent and I didn't have to have dad be a part of it. It was a struggle and it, was, and it actually caused some friction for a little bit. But those were some of the things that as I was thinking about this whole waiting process. Well, today, I'm going to say it the way that I feel it, the way that I believe it. And I, I think you'll, you'll agree with this, but I, I believe that God's got a waiting room for all of us. And I believe it's called earth. <laughs> I think we're all in his waiting room. This world, I do believe, is God's waiting room. And while we're down here in God's waiting room, sometimes we have to be taught lessons. Sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes we get sick. Sometimes we get downhearted. Uh, sometimes we might even get a little bit broken in this world and have a substantial amount of pain. Those type of things come. And, uh, and all that happens when we're in this place of waiting and and we all want instant relief from miseries in life. You know, but God tells us, you're going to have a seat. But why you're having a seat does not mean that you just sit and twiddle your thumbs and do absolutely nothing. The waiting process that we're talking about is not just sitting back and kicking your feet up and waiting for the right thing to happen. Remember the word that I talked about, I talked about binding us together to collect, to expect, to gather. There is things for us to do in this waiting room that we're in. Problem is we got a society that tells us otherwise. We often experience a lot of disappointments and, and that disappointment can kind of begin to hinder some of the joy that we may have in this waiting process. But when you know who's asking you to wait, I think that helps us be a little bit more willing to do the waiting. See, we, can, we convince ourselves that it's God's will for us to have it when we want it. And that way... We always are wanting more. I, I, I can't get past the concept of Amazon. Have we all become Amazon people in some way? You might hate Amazon, and I'm not saying you like Amazon. I'm just, but we've all begun to, to um, incorporate the Amazon mentality. 
I order it today, I get it today, or I get it tomorrow. Now, I know in the last few months, it hasn't worked quite that way, but it's not very far off. I watch that Amazon truck ripping through my neighborhood every single day. And we order it, we expect it now, or we're the Burger King mindset. Have it your way. You know, we've, we've become people of our culture, of our environment. So as I was looking in the scripture to help me, one of my favorite examples of an Old Testament person and that I can learn from every time I read of somebody that would wait and be productive in the waiting process. His name is Joseph. From what his brothers did to him, to what happened when the Midianite merchants showed up to buy him and take him away, to the time that he was working with Potiphar and working with Potiphar and then was lied about. And so the next, the next person that he finds in, in his charge or in charge of him was a jail warden. But what happens when he gets there? Oh man, he gets, begins to turn that around and the jail warden starts to rely on him. And, and if you want to, you need to go back into Genesis. Go back into Genesis and read the story of Joseph. I know a lot of people will say that he was very arrogant about his dreams and the way that he told them to his brother and his father and stuff like that. Maybe there was some arrogance in that. I'm not 100% certain of that, but I think he was just a young man that was excited and God was speaking into his heart and he was telling it. And you know what? It began to rub people the wrong way. I get it. I've got a few brothers. I had a few things happen to me. I didn't have any dreams, but I had a few things happen to me. But today, I'm not gonna go real deep into Joseph's life. I wanna go to a little bit before that. So as we're getting ready to read this scripture today, I want us to, to uh, look at the life of, of a different Bible character. We're going to go to Genesis 12 to start. There have been times when we ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? And all he has said at this point is, is Wait. And he doesn't tell us how long. He doesn't tell us these different things. He's just saying it's time for you to now be in this capacity of waiting. You're in my waiting room. And the Bible tells us that Abraham, or Abram at this time, was in God's waiting room when he received a word from God about his future. He knew what God had promised, but he had no word regarding when it would take place. Let's look at it. Genesis 12 verses. I'm just going to read the first three verses. And it said, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Now that sounds pretty excellent, doesn't it? That sounds totally excellent. I think all of us could kind of get into that if the Lord would come and tell us this is what, but you know what I don't read is go from your country and I'll show you the land when you get there. 
I'm going to bless you, and people are going to say good things about you, and, and they'll be blessed, but there's going to be people that are going to curse you, and, and they're going to get cursed because of it, but we don't see anything. And if you were to read in verse 4, it would tell you that this happened in Abraham's life at the age of 75 years old. See, I think the same is kind of true with us today that while we're waiting for the manifestation of, of the promise that maybe you feel God has spoken into you, we get to this point where we have to wait and we're waiting through, for the breakthrough to come. And it's not always easy to enjoy the time we spent waiting in this waiting room of life. But see, once God speaks to us or shows us something, many times it's as though we are the dirt I was working out in the garden yesterday. I was getting rid of all the hostas that we have. We have quite a few hostas around our house and I was cutting them down and I was doing all this and working and a couple of them I got a little bit aggressive with and the next thing I know I got all the roots in my hand and so I have to kind of stuff them back in and kind of act like I didn't do that. And uh, thankfully my wife was busy on another project but I began to think about this, this thing called dirt, kind of what we come from, the dust of the earth. And in this waiting room, God begins to put a seed into us. You know what? Sometimes you got to dig, and sometimes that digging takes a lot of work. Sometimes it's hard to do that. So God is having to do that with us in this waiting room. He's, he's digging this dirt of our soul, if you will, and he's getting it out of the way so he can plant a seed in us, right? And when the seed goes in, then he covers it back up with all this dirt. And I don't know of, and this is where I'm trying to go with this waiting process, I don't know of any seed that's planted today and it sprouts tomorrow. Why? Because there's a process that goes on, right? When it goes into the ground, and there's a process, and it can be a very crazy thing to watch if you ever see it on a fast video type thing, and you see what goes on under the ground, and then the next thing you know, so many days, weeks, months later, it can be that something begins to sprout, and there was a whole process, and there was a lot of, I don't know that seeds feel pain. I don't think they do, right? No, they don't feel pain, but it's that thing that we have in us when God's doing that work to us that we may not see everything going on, but he begins to stir something, begins to have something sprout up in us. We have to practice patience in the waiting room of God because it prepares us for the things that he's planned for us to do. Practice this patience. That's what the waiting room is about. It's about practicing the patience because he's prepared for something for you. He's prepared something for me, for all of us to do. Well, you know what? Unfortunately, if we go on in the story of Abram and Sarai, they got tired of waiting. Most of you here know the story. They were very weary and they began to wonder if maybe there was something that they could do to help things move along a little faster. Come on, God, you got to understand, man, it's been closing in on, we started this process when I was 75 and now I'm 100 and now you're telling me there's going to be a kid? Well, they, that's the better part of the, the program. Well, before that happened, Sarai decided to do something different and had a handmaid that 
she gave to Abram. Said, you know what? We're going to have a child one way or another. You see, Sarah had an idea, gave her handmaiden to her husband that they might have this child. And she felt perhaps that this would be God's way of giving them the promised child that he said that they would have. It seemed that her help, or it seemed that her God was, was, wasn't doing anything to, do, to bring help to her. See, trying to help the Lord, can I just caution you on that? He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your timing. Does that sound familiar in anybody's life? During our waiting time, all of a sudden, what are we? All of a sudden, are we so full of the Holy Spirit that we know more than our God, than our Holy Spirit guide that we have? Well, Abraham listened to his wife and did what she asked. And the result was the birth of a child named Ishmael. But see, Ishmael was not the child of the promise. And from the moment that she gave her handmaiden to Abram, and they found out that she had conceived, there was a war that started up between those two women. Ishmael was 14 years old when the promise Isaac was born to now Abraham and Sarah. So I just, I want to think about this for a second. Because see, when we give birth to an Ishmael, because we decided to take things in our own hands, because we didn't have time to wait on God, there's a lot of repercussions that we have to deal with. See, once you have an Ishmael in your life, you have to begin to feed it. You have to change diapers. You have to do all these things that has to happen with the baby, right? You have to do all that stuff. See, we don't like to do our own thing, or we like to do our own thing rather than waiting on God. But when we do our own thing and we give birth to something that is of us and not of God, then our flesh begins to war with it. See, the Ishmael will never bring you the joy that you would hope We may love him, we have to love him because he is still the fruit of our labor but it doesn't necessarily bring the enjoyment that God planned for us to have. What we struggle and bring forth usually means a lot to us but it doesn't necessarily mean that there will be a lot of joy in the process for for God did not say that we can't build things, right? The psalmist helped us with this though saying except the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain who build it. Don't try to supersede his time. Don't try to take over. Ishmael could not be the heir with Isaac because one was the work of the flesh. The other was the work through the spirit, through the Lord, what he had planned. The Bible said that Ishmael would be a wild man and his hands would be against every man and every man's hands against him. See, when we do our own thing and our own timing and we refuse to wait on God, we are going to be frustrated. But when we wait on God, what happens when we wait on God? Oh, there's fulfillment. 
There's another man that had to wait, about 18 years. 18 years when nobody heard anything about him. At the age of 12, when Jesus' parents found him in the temple, and they took him home. They had to go back to find him and took him home. Jesus' parents took him to Nazareth, and he was, the, and he was obedient to them. And, and Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and favor with God and man. Jesus grew, and, and just as Jesus grew in this quiet time, Jesus was put into a waiting room here on earth from 12 to 18. But in that process, he began to grow in his wisdom and in his knowledge, it says. And I'm thinking if Jesus even had to spend some time in this waiting room, on hold place. See, we don't always start out strong. We gain strength as we wait. And in this waiting room, as we go through trials and we go through tribulation and we begin to learn and the Lord begins to pour into us. See, we go through these things in life to make us stronger, to grow our faith to increase our faith in who God is, to increase the wisdom of who God is in our life and, and allows our knowledge to begin to grow and our comprehension and our understanding to continue to grow in him. Isaiah, if you'll turn there, Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31, I want to read to you. I'll give you just a moment to turn there if you have a paper Bible. I want you to get there. I want you to look at this. This is stuff that you have read before. These are th words that you've heard, but let's look at now in this idea of this waiting. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Oh, but this word but here at the start of verse 31. But they who do what? Wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We used to sing a chorus of this song a lot years ago. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And at the end of the song, it kind of says this. Oh, teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. You know what, folks? When you don't feel like singing, start singing. When you don't feel like praying, get on your knees and begin to pray. You may not, you know, you may see God or you may think God isn't doing anything, but God is doing something. In this waiting room, he's doing a work. He's stirring, he's building, he's, he's growing us. He's bringing a wisdom, a knowledge, and an understanding to us. If we're waiting in the proper way by sitting at his feet, by going to whom he, who he is. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You're in the waiting room of the creator. You're in the waiting room of the designer. You're in the waiting room of God Almighty. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways. What are you supposed to do? Acknowledge him. And it says he will direct our paths in Proverbs 3. In all your ways, acknowledge him. 
Listen to this verse. I found this verse this week. And it's James 1.4. And it's out of a different version than I've ever read before. But it comes out of the New Life version. And it says it like this in James 1.4. Learn well how to wait so you will be strong and complete in need of nothing. Learn well how to wait. You know what? You just can't always dial up order and have the order here tomorrow. You can't always have it just your way. You can if you go to Burger King. But what is Burger King going to bring you? Nothing but heartache or heartburn. Whatever it may be. Listen to this, Psalm 62, verse 5. Rest in God alone, my soul, for my help comes from him. That's out of the Christian standard Bible. Listen listen to it out of the ESV. For God alone, oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. It's not easy to wait. I'll be the first one to say, I hate waiting. And you know what? It could be a long wait. But let's remember that God does not give any empty words. If God said it, he will fulfill it. He is a man. There's a song out there that I just absolutely love put out by Maverick City Music and it's called A Man of His Word. If, if there was a song that, that could cause me to dance, that's one of them. Uh, you'll never see it publicly but in my own house when my wife's gone and the doors are closed and the blinds are drawn I might dance a little bit because he's a man of his word if he said it it's going to come to pass that's why the best approach when seeking God's guidance is to spend time in his word don't make his word try to fit your situation but quietly, let, quietly letting God speak through his word to you. I think a lot of us have a hard time quieting ourselves down like that. I think we have a really hard time being in a quiet place. How many spend as much time getting music ready for the project that you're going to do and you could have probably had the project done if you didn't have to worry about getting the music ready to play for it? I know that's kind of changing nowadays because we used to have to go get a box and plug it in and find a station. Now you just pull your phone out and you hit play. But at at this time right now, I want to wrap this up. I have one last thought that, that just went through my heart and I think it's important to ask you this question. How many of you have put God in a waiting room? Because we're so busy with all that we have to do. We're so busy with all the things that we're trying to accomplish. We're so busy with all of the things that, that family does, that, that you know, I, whatever it is. You know, he gets called on when you need something. You show up at the altar to pray when somebody's sick. You know, these different types of things and we get into this struggle and so overwhelmed. Maybe this COVID thing still has you so overwhelmed 
but you haven't surrendered the overwhelming feel so far to the God that can take care of that overwhelming feel and bring the peace that passes all understanding into your heart. We can't just call on him when we're in need. We have to be in his presence as much as we can. He should get way more than 10 o'clock on Sunday morning and maybe a prayer here or there before you go to bed or maybe a prayer before a meal. You may say, yeah, I pray all the time. I pray before every meal that I eat. Well, good for you. I think you should. And the Lord deserves that type of honor. But that's not building a relationship with him. What I'm talking about is what we have to build in relationship. And I only know this because of experience. Relationships all take time. They take work. They take effort on both parts to do that. So as he has you, as he has you in his waiting room here, let's just continue to learn. Let's get at his feet. Sit at his feet daily. Don't let a day go by to the best of your ability where you haven't taken time to be in his presence, to be in his word, to have whatever it is. Man, get some music around you if it gets you to a point where you're in a place where you're praising the Lord with those that are singing with you. Let that happen, but get to a place where it's you and the Lord and you are spending time with him. That's how you're going to build relationship with him. It's not going to happen through others. It's not going to happen because of others. It's going to happen because you take that time. Will you stand with me this morning? You may be in the house today. You may be in a living room at home or a basement at home. See, the thing is, if we don't make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of our life, then all the promises of scriptures are not ours to begin with. Right? We have to make him the Lord. When we make him the Lord, then we have so many more guarantees. We have so many more promises that are for us. So will you bow your heads with me today? And I just want to pray, if today's one of these days where it's like, all right, today's the day I'm going to make him the Lord of my Savior, the Lord my Savior today. I believe that salvation can come to you today. Because it says in scripture in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that he has risen from the dead, you will be saved. See, God sent his one and only son for us to be saved. We cannot do it in our own strength. We have to have this Savior, what Jesus did. He became the perfect lamb. Lord, I'm praying right now for anyone that is not made that commitment before you. That Lord, they will accept you as their Lord and Savior. They will call upon you. They will, you know, make the confession that I'm a sinner. I have fallen short. I need a Savior. And that you said when we make a belief in our heart, when we make a confession with our mouth, that you will become our savior. 
So Lord, for anybody that's in this house today or in their own homes, wherever they may be watching this service, Father, I just pray right now that as we are in this waiting room of God, this, this earthly realm that we're in, Lord, this is not our home. This is not the end. This is only a temporary thing because Lord, one day you're gonna call your people and you're gonna bring us home to our heavenly reward. Lord, let us not get so comfortable and confident that this is all there is and and Lord we're just living our life just as good as we think we can but Lord that we would live a life we should live good we should be kind we should be gentle that's a part of who you are in us Lord God but Lord help us to know that there's going to be times of struggle there's going to be times of angst there's going to be times that Lord God it's not as easy to say praise the Lord today because Lord you got us in this place where you're helping us grow you're helping us learn and Lord anybody that is making that commitment today that they just confess it now call you to be their Lord and then they can have that reward of eternal life with you (laughs) they can enter now into that room Lord you're going to help them grow and learn And Lord, it will change their life. We thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the people that are here that have made that commitment to you, Lord God. I just ask that hopefully these words that have been spoken today will get deep down into their heart, will continue to convince them in their heart, Lord, that they need to continue to wait on you, that we don't try to make things happen. Lord, we wait patiently for what you have for each and every one of us. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen.